0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman from the News and Observer, the Duke beat writer. I'm joined tonight by C.L. Brown, who covers North Carolina for the News and Observer. C.L., how are you tonight?
1: Hey, man. We, we made it past Saturday. <laughs> we did. And the regular season finale, so I, I would say I'm doing swell.
0: <laughs> yes, we're both preparing for our trips to Brooklyn. Uh, we're taping this on Monday night, so we're heading out. Tuesday, uh, to get ready for the, uh, the tournament starts tomorrow. Although the teams we cover don't start that day, uh, Duke plays at noon on, uh, on Thursday against either Florida state or Syracuse, Carolina will play the late game. CL gets the, uh, the late night crew. Uh, I got the old man schedule. I start at noon. He doesn't start till like 10 o'clock at night. So he'll be up, uh, in the city that never sleeps. He won't get to sleep. So, uh, they play Thursday night, uh, one of three teams, I think Virginia, Georgia Tech, or Louisville will be the team, whoever survives on Tuesday or Wednesday. Who's uh, who the Tar Heels will play in the ACC tournament this year at Brooklyn's Barkley Center. But before we get to that point, we need to kind of break down and, and uh, digest what we saw Saturday uh, in the last home game of the regular season for the uh, last home game of his career for Coach K uh, at, uh, at Cameron that uh, Carolina came in and, did what they wanted to do. They wanted to spoil the evening and spoil the atmosphere. And by golly, they did it. They, uh, they, they, they played the better game. They were the better team by far that night and won by 13 with a, with a great flourish down the stretch. So, um, you know, we talked to the people after the players and coaches after the game, but CL just, you know, your thoughts on, on how the Tar Heels played that night. It seemed like uh, that, that was what the, the level of play they've been trying to kind of reach and sustain yeah. all season. Right.
1: Exactly. That, that was a game that they had to have. Not uh, not even necessarily they had to win it, but they had something to prove to themselves. And, and you think about that being the last regular season game. It, it's kind of taken this long, but they had to have that performance because of the blowout losses. And, and basically every marquee game they played in except the Purdue game, which was the first one that really started it off like, OK, this is a, a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. How do, how does Carolina going to measure up? How how are we going to see? And, you know, and they fought that game. They competed that game back, in, you know, it's back in November. So it was it was way early before we really knew what kind of team it was going to shape out to be. But I I don't think they've had any fight since then. <laughs> you know, like they yeah. have really had to. Uh, well, not that they haven't had to dig deep because they gutted out some wins like the Clemson win and, and Louisville in overtime, and that kind of thing. But. I think those teams aren't on the level that Duke was or that Kentucky was or that, you know, Purdue and Tennessee were. So they needed this to prove it. It came, you know, even though it's late in the game, you could say it came at the right time. Because yeah. now in the postseason, they're coming in five game winning streak, confident. And uh, and I said this the other night after the game, and it's, it's kind of mind boggling. Because I, I felt like and I think I think the the perception of this team throughout the season when they're taking those big loss losses were that it was that it wasn't a good team. And if they don't lose to Pittsburgh, they tie Duke for the, sh- the share of the yeah. regular season championship, which is crazy to think of.
0: <laughs> That's how close they were. I mean, for all that. The caterwalling and whatever, you know. I mean, and the criticism, the rightful criticism, of how they played at times this season. They were that close to sharing the regular season title. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And so, uh, yeah, they're they they've, you know, it was a bubble team for the longest time, and that that win obviously takes care of that. They're going to be in the field, yeah. uh, no matter what happens in Brooklyn. So, but obviously, it's, they want to keep playing well.
1: It's kind of funny with with the bubble status now. Now, I almost feel like they don't want to be too good. Because you go from where it would have been like maybe a 12, 11 seed to now you're talking um, uh, Joe Lenardi on the SPN.com had them in that eight, nine game. So now you're talking uh, about facing a number one seed in the second round. And I'm like, I don't think they want that
0: no. <laughs> right
1: now. You know, maybe, maybe fall back to 10, maybe, <laughs> or, or, you know, 11 <laughs> would be solid. But yeah, yeah, they. They might be too good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe take it easy and like, you know, if you don't win Thursday, eh, you're okay. You go to the tournament, you'll flip back 10 seed. There you go.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, but you're you know, right.
0: Play it. Play that play that game. You know.
1: I guess they, they they would much rather have this feeling than to feel uneasy about, you know, selection Sunday.
0: No question. And uh and yeah, so uh, you know, good on them for doing what they did. A fantastic game and uh you know Duke. Uh, frankly, you know didn't didn't play with the edge they needed. Uh, if they had, maybe they wouldn't have won anyway. because well Carolina played, but uh, but we'll never know because Duke didn't didn't bring the same level of effort they did in Chapel Hill or in the seven games you know, they'd won seven games in a row coming into that game. They wrapped up the regular season championship. Um, so you know it was one of the things that I was critical of as they came into it. They've had situations like this where. Like they won a big game at Chapel Hill, and two days later lost at home to Virginia. That's a tough turnaround, but you know that's what you have to do. This is the games you're playing. Yeah. So, uh, and you get into March, you're going to be doing a lot of that. You're going to play three games in a row here. They want to this weekend, and you got to win every one of them. You can't say, "Oh, well, we won yesterday. We'll win tomorrow." No, that's not how it works. You got to win this one. And uh, you know they uh, they didn't have the hunger. They didn't have the the, the that they needed uh, to to match. To match what Carolina did, frankly, and particularly yeah. on defense, that was as, as poor as Duke's played defensively, really, since they lost to Miami way back in you know early January when they're coming off the COVID pause. So giving up the straight line drives and the, and you know guys uh, leaving guys open under the basket, uh, you know they're not going to be anybody doing that. <laughs> Here's
1: so, what what I was curious about, and <clears throat> you having been and seen and been around this team and seen every game and every play. Why did Ben Carroll in the second half kind of go away from what he was successful with doing in the first half? And I'm not saying he was going to be making those drives and spin move with the two handed jam like he had in the first half. But I felt like he settled a lot more in the second half, you know, for for jump shots or shots he could get like. Shots he could get any time, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, not, mm-hmm. not shots where he's actually driving and being aggressive. I felt like he lost some of that decisiveness.
0: I think you could feel the panic setting in. I think that, I think that when they got up, when they made the 14-0 run late in the first half to take that nine-point lead, they thought that was it, that Carolina was just going to roll over and capitulate because that's what they did in Chapel Hill, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't. They fought back and uh you know, three pointer with the buzzer of the half t- before halftime, it's a two-point game. Totally different game than when it's a nine point game, right? Come out in the second half, Carolina ties it. Duke goes up by seven again. Looks like they're right on the verge of pulling away and winning the game. And Carolina boom, 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 knocked him in the mouth again. And and then it was like, okay, now we're in a game here. Oh crap, you know, we can't lose this game. It's Coach K's last home game, right? And and I think that was the collective feeling of that team was that they just lost their focus and, and didn't, and and, 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 you know, defensively, you're talking about Paulo on offense and that's right. They didn't have the right flow and they missed shots that, the, you know, sometimes they make, but, but, but frankly, they gave up just, you know, wide open drives on defense that uh, down the stretch there, Carolina shot what 59% in the second half. I mean, yeah. wow. That is just uh-huh. tremendous play. And uh so they just couldn't match it. And uh and then the next thing they knew there was, you know, they're down by 10 with two minutes to go, whatever it was, and it's over. And and then they look up at the stands and all those alums are sitting up there with those grim faces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and those non-judgmental eyes, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. What did you guys just do? <laughs> we all came here for this. Uh so anyway, all that being said, now we have to talk about how it's gonna, you know, trans uh translate into this week in Brooklyn. Right. And Duke is the number one seed. They're the favorite to win it. Uh, in, a, in what's been a down year in the ACC. Right. Um, but now Carolina joined them in the top 25 today. So. The ACC doesn't I have was that.
1: surprised about that. Like, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I figured they were going to get votes obviously, but they hadn't received any votes for six straight weeks. And then and you then, go, bam.
0: <laughs> and think about like, you know, they barely beat Syracuse on Monday, right? It could have been yeah. all different. <laughs> but anyway, that yeah, was all. I
1: think we could do a separate part. I was saying this after that game. And I I've I've been saying this to people that know me for the last like three years. I think Carolina should do away with that tradition of starting seniors in their final game. Cause yeah. I just felt like, especially with a team like they had this year, you don't have possessions you can give away. <laughs> you know. Uh, what I yeah. mean? Yeah, it doesn't matter that it's early in the game. <laughs> you you got to fight from the beginning. And and especially when it's every other year, it's Duke that's coming in there. And I felt like, I think it was 2014. Um, I, I, I just remember feeling like Seth Curry ended the game in the first half. He made a few threes. You know, when when it was the the walk on seniors and everything were out yeah. there, it wasn't the normal lineup and they jumped on Carolina and it was never a game. And I just I'm like, why do they keep doing this? But uh, I, I'm taking a detour. That's,
0: that's all right. We got, we got we got the leeway to year, do this, so. man. That's okay. <laughs> Random thoughts as we you know we head into the postseason. We have a yeah. we have a lot of stuff in our notebooks, right? That we haven't written exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I talked why, about why
1: not do that the first game of senior year when you're playing yeah. somebody that generally you're gonna you know
0: beat badly and everybody can, can feel it. But. Right, right. So, um, you know what, what do you think? You know Carolina's side of the bracket. Uh, you know uh, obviously they beat virginia that's the the highest seed they could play i'm not saying they're going to play them but uh yeah. they did beat virginia in the regular season so um you know if that matchup happens again do you think they're as equipped now to to beat to handle the pack line defense or 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 what do you think
1: well i i think brady Manick is was the key in that first game and i think he'd be a key again because You know, Virginia had they won seven straight coming into this year. They kind of had Carolina's number the last the last few years. And I think that facing a a player like Manic, who, you know, a perimeter big man, if you will, who steps out and shoots those threes, it kind of changes the dynamic of that pack line. And the double teams don't come as easily as uh, since, you know, they use the big on big doubles. They don't come as easily against this offense this year as Roy Williams, you know, using two traditional bigs and both guys just basically being around the paint. So not to say that they haven't they didn't have have to deal with the doubles, but, you know, they were able to handle them. I think I think Manic had five threes in that in that win over mm-hmm. uh, Virginia. I'd have to go mm-hmm. back and look it up. But, you know, he he's a difference maker. <laughs> You know, obviously he was against Duke as well. Yeah. And Armando Bacon had 29, I think it was 29 and 22, 29 points, 22 rebounds in that first meeting. So, you know, they they were able to handle it, handle the pack line. And I think a rematch, although Virginia to me wasn't playing as well as they played later in the season at that point, they were just starting to turn the corner. And uh, I think, I think it'd be a tough game. You know, I'm not at a point, despite how the season has gone for Virginia, that I'm counting out Tony Bennett. You know, right. and and uh, I think I do think though that I think we probably have under underestimated maybe Hubert Davis a little bit in in what he's been able to do and everybody they've played so far, uh, the second time they've won all of those rematches so uh and then they won the first game for what virginia tech um state georgia tech uh, up there the teams they played twice in louisville but so duke was the only game where where it was like they had to avenge the loss but i i I wonder if that trend will continue because especially looking at possibly playing uh notre dame as, as the number two seed in the semifinal game they lost that game by five up in South Bend. So I wonder how, you know, how that might go differently a second time. But
0: that's a great point. It's a great point. And um, it shows, yeah, a level of coaching there, preparation of learning from what went wrong or what what went right and continuing it or whatever. I mean, you make it, even if you beat somebody, you make adjustments because they're going to adjust. You got to adjust to their adjustments and, and yeah. you know, the, you that self-scout yourself on what you did and, and how they're going to do it and anticipate that. So.
1: I'll say this, too, from, from yeah. the other night about Hubert. I asked him about having Brady Manning play Ben Carroll because in the first meeting, I don't think he played him at all. Right. And, uh, you know, as <laughs> a matter of fact, I think Carolina just overthought it, and they were yeah. trying to figure out something, some kind of way to stop him, and, you know, Baycott starts off on him, gets the early foul trouble, and the game was over when he goes to the bench, basically. Um, but Hubert basically said, we just had to man up. He was like, I, I told him the five is gonna cover the five, the four is gonna cover the four, whoever it is on the floor at that time, and we just gotta man up and be up. And so um I think he ha- he won't say what his, you know, regrets or mistakes were during this season, but I, I would imagine that might be number one <laughs> yeah. having Baycott on Ben Carroll in that first game. But for him to to obviously say, hey. You know, I'm not gonna stick this square peg in a round hole, like let's do something different, you know. Yeah, and and it ended up working. I think that uh says a lot about uh his ability to adapt.
0: Yeah, good for him. That's right. That's a that's an excellent point. And he sure did it because uh yeah, that, I'm sure that's one of his big regrets <laughs> was that because that led to that that loss in Chapel Hill, which they didn't want to have to deal with. So um so Duke's side of the bracket, they're uh, they're going to play Florida State or Syracuse on Thursday. Uh, they beat Syracuse handily twice. They really, you know, teams probably shouldn't play zone against Duke. They shoot, and they're you know their points per <laughs> yeah. possession is pretty solid against the zone, and their shooting percentage is pretty good. Um, even not not just Syracuse, Florida State tried it a little bit. Uh, other teams, you know, non conference did it, and they really, if you look at synergy, they're they're. Their offense against the zone is really good, so I think they'd rather play Syracuse, frankly, uh, because they beat them twice and they know how to, what they're doing with it. Uh, on the other hand, you know uh, Florida State they lost to in Tallahassee. They they beat them in Durham in the rematch handily, but that was that's when Florida State was without four starters. I mean, Rickmont Evans didn't play that game. Anthony Plyton didn't play that game. They were all in in street clothes. So. Luke Osborne didn't play, he's not gonna play, but uh, but uh polite and evans are back. Uh so that could be a little tougher, tougher battle, obviously. Uh I think they would like to play them again too, just to prove okay, we can beat you. You know, we, we are better than you. Yeah, uh, if yeah. you think about it. But uh so from the revenge point of view, I mean, that's kind of where that goes. I think from the schematic point of view. Syracuse would be a better matchup for Duke. They could easily, and I think they've proven they can easily beat them twice. So we'll see how that goes. And then
1: I, I kind of feel like after Syracuse collapsed against Miami at home on on Senior Night, I, I don't I don't know how they recover from that. It, and and I'm not saying all Senior Night losses will end your season, obviously, but they're <laughs> they're kind of you know Jesse Edwards got hurt. That like they they got a thin margin of error as it is. And, they do. And, so I think confidence-wise, that's a huge blow because they had salted. What was it, seven point, eight point lead with like a minute, minute yeah. five left? It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and an eighteen point lead in the second half or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, you know, and this coming off of that loss in Chapel Hill on Monday yeah. when they had that, you know, in in hand and threw the ball off the guy's leg and <laughs> you know couldn't get the ball in bounds, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. They're struggling, and and you know. But anyway, that's that's where Duke's gonna play one of those two teams, uh, and then uh, you know the four seed is Miami. It could be Miami or it could be Wake. Wake's the five seed. Uh, I know, I know Duke wants to play Miami. They only played them once. They lost to them at home. So talk about playing them twice and get you know win the second time. That's what they want to do. They yeah. they clearly uh, want another crack at at Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would be good from their revenge point of view if you're a Duke fan if, you, if that's who they want to see they want to come out with blood in their eyes and try to get that one so um and then we'll see you know what happens who comes out of the other bracket Carolina or, or Notre Dame or whoever and that'll be fun so you know what one thing we didn't talk about I'm sorry see if you did something to say go ahead no I was
1: just gonna say that Wake Forest Miami if that ends up being the game I, I mean I still feel like Wake Forest has to win like I I, I don't think that they are a lock for the uh, NCAA tournament, I, I mean, I w- I would say that they should get in, but given the way the ACC has been this year, being being an off year, um, given that their non-conference schedule was not good, <laughs> right,
0: right, and
1: and I understand that Steve Forbes explained it too, and you know, I mean, they had so many new pieces coming in, you couldn't play. You know these marquee matchups early on because he didn't know what he had yet, and they they right. had to come together in jail. But yeah. it's it could end up biting them if they go out first round. You know, uh, it, it's no guarantee. I think with this year's right. ACC,
0: so they need to win Wednesday and get in that yeah. matchup with Miami for sure. Yeah, exactly. That would be good for them. Um, so, one thing we didn't talk about, we meant to talk about. It, we get back, we're going to circle back to it is. Before we get to the tournament, the All-ACC Awards came out today, right, on Monday. Um, speaking of Wake Forest, they they were uh, honored with Coach of the Year by Forbes. Wondis Williams is the Player of the Year. He edged uh, Armando Bacon, uh for the Player of the Year honor. Uh, Coach K was second in the, in the voting for a distant second to Forbes for Coach of the Year. And uh, so um, I know there's a lot of, obviously, controversy about any awards that come out um you know i i voted for williams uh, i think uh i think uh, you voted for williams at nearer did you not no
1: i voted for black oh for leaky black
0: for player you know, of the year for
1: oh you're talking about londis i'm, I'm about sorry defensive. yes when you said williams no, no, i was
0: no. automatically thinking defensive no yeah about. <laughs> sorry about it for the confusion Yeah, too many yes. williams going on
1: yeah armando baker had an argument you know, and, and I mean, he got 31 votes. Alondis Williams got 40. So it's yeah, not like it was close. he wasn't considered. It's, it's, it's funny just kind of seeing the, the Twitter arguments evolve. And <laughs> of course I had to get off of Twitter from, from looking at it because it, it, it got kind of silly, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, people respected the season Armando had, it's not like he got two votes, you know, right. <laughs> but I, I think what, what I found curious though was that for a first team, somebody didn't vote Alondis Williams on the first team for him to get fewer votes than Armando did right. for the for right. ACC first team. So I, I'm, I'm I'd like to see somebody's ballot that didn't have him on the first exactly. team. I don't understand that.
0: Cause I think when I, I know when we talked about this when we sit down to do our ballots, that you and I are both on the panel. You know, it was easy. Like Williams Baker, bankero were yeah, you know, three for sure. three first team guys. McGusty yeah. was after that, and then you had to kind of fill out the fifth one. But I don't know how anybody could sit down and not think of those three as surefire first, yeah. you know, yeah. first team guys. And just so to explain to everybody the, how the voting works, the, there's a point system. You get five points for a first team vote, three points for a second team, and one point for being on the third team. So somebody didn't have Williams in their. First team, it was they were second or third to have a little bit of a gap because Bacon had more points than Williams did in, in that part of the voting. Yeah. As as, yeah. There's separate voting for player of the year, and that's how that went. So, yeah. anyway,
1: so I guess you could explain it as whoever didn't have him on uh, the first team probably didn't vote him player of the year.
0: <laughs> you know? That's right. So, <laughs> that's right.
1: So, that's how it works out. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach of the year, I think. I, I, I don't know when you actually filled out your ballot. I didn't until I don't know if they sent them out before before Saturday's game, but
0: they I did. almost
1: feel like Coach K. If Duke wins that game, Coach K is coach of the year.
0: Yeah, and i I I full disclosure, I did filled up my ballot Saturday after, early afternoon. We were had time to kill before the game. Oh yeah, I sat there and did yeah. it then. And uh, yeah, I I just thought they were gonna you know. If they win that game, they win the conference by two games. I think they Mm -hmm. would have had, you know. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot. That's a good point. uh, That that's what happened is uh, because it was, wasn't super close, but it was relatively close. I mean, Coach K got like 20 votes, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, Steve Forbes Forbes did a great job this year. Yeah. Yeah. In fact,
1: no question. You
0: know, I was like, it was no doubt I was going to vote for him early February, Mm -hmm. and then they lost those. Those games, you know, they lost three out of four. There, that little stretch. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe you know, they kind of fell out. They fell out of the top four. It's unusual for a guy to get coach of the year that's not in the top four. So, yeah. uh, anyway, but you know, he's he's a tremendous, and he did a great job. They were they won three ACC games last year, and they won thirteen this year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's no, he's, you know, yeah, that's coach yeah. of the year stuff.
1: <laughs> and, and the way he did it, I mean, it's not like yes. he had a bunch of returners. And you know, and they took a step forward, and he kind of molded like he. <laughs> this team almost feels like it was built from scratch in the summer, <laughs> last spring, and in yeah. the summer, and he got them all to play, you know, at, at a pretty high level. Um, I think probably my only—I don't have any any real qualms about who who won individual awards, but I do feel like. Leaky black was underappreciated in terms of defensive player of the year award, because he, he doesn't have the, like, if you're just looking at stats, he doesn't have the stats, you know, the block shots, the steals that go with somebody you feel like is a, is a good defender. But when you look at who he played against and their numbers from those games, most of the time they didn't even get to their average for sure. And, you know, I mean, A.J. Griffin had 27 the first time they played Carolina in Saturday Indeed. night. Uh, yeah, he has five yeah. points. You don't really hear from A.J. Griffin. That game.
0: Bingo. And that was yes. a huge difference in the game.
1: Yes. Huge yes. difference.
0: You know what it's like? It's like in football when you have a really good cornerback and nobody throws the ball on that side exactly. of the field. Yeah. You cut it down. Yeah. And he has well, like two interceptions, interceptions all year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's the interceptions. He can me be player of the year. Yes, he can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ask the coaches, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's a good point. And uh, yeah, he, you know, he, he had a great year. Uh, you know, uh, Mark Williams ended up getting defensive player of the year for Duke. He led the ACC in block shots and, uh, you know, he changes a lot of things in there for sure. So they're both great candidates. Yeah. But yeah. you're yeah. right. I think that's leaky didn't get. It probably should have been a closer vote Yeah. for, yeah. for that for sure. Lee he did make the all defensive team, obviously, along with Mark Williams. So, yeah. um, uh, so that's good for that. So, yeah. Um, you know, the only one I, I think we talked about this Saturday, the only one I kind of struggled with was sixth man of the year. That's a, that's kind of a tough one Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. pick because people go in and out of lineups. And yeah. yeah. Uh, Even, Matthew uh, Cleveland.
1: He started probably eight games. I think like, yeah. it, like it's not like he was just a, uh, uh, you know, a true reserve who never, you know what I mean? Who's always- Not like the
0: old school of Vinnie Johnson, right? The yeah, coming off the bench. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: exactly. Back in the day with the bad boys. But yeah, no, that's right. And, you know, for a while, uh Trevor Keels was coming off the bench for Duke oh, yeah. after he got yeah. hurt. And I was thinking, okay, he's making a run for sixth man of the year here. And then, of course, they put him back in the starting lineup. And so <laughs> that stopped yeah. that. But anyway, so, yeah. Um, But no, I... You know people are going to have their qualms about uh, awards and, and arguments and all that, but I think the panel pretty much got it right. I don't yeah. think there was any like major, like you know, oh my god moments. Uh, so I think we can kind of put that aside and move on yeah, to March Madness. I, I agree, I agree. <laughs> Good deal. All right, well, uh, you know, uh, speaking of March, we'll be ha- have all full coverage of the news observer at newsobserver.com, and then the print product of the news observer will be uh. We'll have a team of people in Brooklyn uh, as we head up tomorrow and get ready to cover uh, games start Tuesday. And uh, again, of course, Carolina and Duke don't play till Thursday in the quarterfinals. And then some Sunday is uh, you know bracket Sunday and uh, selection day, and and the real and fun to,
1: begins.
0: You're ready to scatter across the country and cover from Greenville to wherever it is, right?
1: Yeah, that's the thing too. Obviously. <laughs> Duke has has played themselves to a position where they'll get a local, a, a nice Greenville <laughs> start Same. in the first and second round. There's no telling where they're going to ship Carolina to. Right. <laughs> they haven't earned enough. Uh, uh, they don't have the credit. They they won't have the seed to uh, get a favorable uh, destination. So speaking of uh, putting in terms of favorable I mean, I kinda of hope it's San Diego myself.
0: Yeah, but. man. Go for it. Go for it. San Diego and then San Francisco, right? That'd be nice. Exactly. Stay out of Cali.
1: <laughs> but uh you know, but I think that will make it interesting just matchup wise, you know, yeah who, how how they where they end up falling and and who's in the brackets with them.
0: For sure. And uh one thing we know, they've played their way out of date. They're not going to be a first four team, which yeah, for a while yeah. there was a possibility, I think. But uh, yeah. they clearly have taken care of that. So, good deal. All right, CEO. So, uh, well, listen, this was fun, obviously. Uh, chopping it up with you here, talking about what a night it was Saturday night at Cameron. I'm glad we revisited that one more time because it's something that uh, fans of both sides will never forget. <laughs> for good and bad reasons for the Duke side, for incredible <laughs> reasons for the Carolina side. So, uh, it's a good thing. But anyway, this is our latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. Uh, I'm Steve Wiseman and CL Brown uh, has joined us also. We'll see you next time on our next edition.